unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my what the Ole Miss fight song is, but I wouldn't sing it if I knew it. But Ole Miss has won the national championship. How about that, folks? Isn't that amazing? Wow. But anyhow, we're glad that all of you folks are here tonight. I know we still have several that are traveling, so we're going to go ahead and get started. If we got any more kids that have come in, uh, please come on down. All right, let's do the books of the Bible. Say here, 
You say? Romans 10, 17. Believe. John 8, 24. Repent. Luke 8, 3. Confess. Okay, 24. Good, good. Be baptized. Just 238. Be faithful. All right, y'all are improving on that. We're not going to sing the songs probably tonight, but we'll, we'll do it periodically because I don't want you to forget them. How many elders do we have here? Four. We have four. Moonball has four elders. They're good in it. You'll see. There's Nemesis, Larry Morgan, and Russell Green. Don't forget Tommy. Jesus called them one by one, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and St. Philip, Thomas, too, Matthew, and Bartholomew, James, the one they called the last, Simon, also Thaddeus, twelve apostles Judas made, Jesus was by him betrayed. Yes, Jesus called them, yes, Jesus called them, Yes, Jesus called them, and they all followed him. God said, Judges over Israel, one great one for too many. They are just Israel, fight their battles, let them back to Y'all said it right. You just didn't do it together. That's fantastic. Great. That's great. You did it all by yourself. Good. That's good. How many plagues were on Egypt? Yeah. What were they? He turned white to blood, cross and blast. Don't forget those dirty old flies. Mary killed the cattle, boils and hail. Blows from the ground and the darkness fell. The fruits of the of the firstborn. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Self-control. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. Love, joy, peace, and thankfulness. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Gentleness and self-control. These are good fruits in our soul. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. Now, what is the key verse of authority in the Bible? Colossians 3.17. Okay, now, I want, next time I want to just say, what's the key verse of authority? And y'all say the whole thing, all right? So let me just practice. What's the key verse of authority? Colossians 3.17. Excellent. Whatever you do, you do and whatever you be, do, all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, and whatever you be, do all in the name of the Lord. Y'all remember the verse that we can sing that proves God made everything? Hebrews, Hebrews 3 and 4. Every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone. But he who built our faith is God. Okay, excellent. What is the verse that is the theme song of our church at Boonville this year? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Man, y'all are enthusiastic tonight, aren't you? 
God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. I love him so. I love him so. Last week, and I'm sorry, I forgot about it. Somebody wanted to sing Fuzzy, all right? Fuzzy was a caterpillar. He wiggled up his tree. He wiggled long. He wiggled short. He wiggled right at me. I put him in a Don't go away, I said. But when I opened up that box of the butterfly, he said, No, I could never make one. Not even if I tried. But I hope a butterfly. Squiggly was a tadpole. He wiggled in the lake. He wiggled on, he wiggled short. I put him in a little jar. Don't go away, I said. But when I opened up that jar, the hopping frog said, No, I could never make one. Not even if I tried. A hopping frog was made my frog just like a butterfly. All right, teachers, you better be ready. <laughs> They're ready to go tonight. All right, the questions. What is true success in life? Living your life, knowing the heaven, and this life is over. Right, I want to start over. Okay, let's try to say it together, because that's part of the true success. Say it together. What's true success in life? Living your life, knowing the heaven, and this life is over. What's true failure in life? Living your life, knowing the hell, and this life is over. Okay. And what is God's ideal for marriage? One woman, one woman, life. Excellent. And uh, why were you made? To glorify God. And because God made you, what does that mean? I Yeah, I'm special. And of course, tomorrow is Monday. I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, but no matter what you do, what are you going to do all day long? I will do my best. God take care of the rest. And I'll build a mansion and only do that. And I'm going to let God take care of the rest of the house. All right. right. And always remember that right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. All right, it's time for us to begin tonight. Uh, uh, Todd, can I call on you to lead prayer? I've started and asked you ahead of time. Is it okay? I'll call on you just a minute then. We are glad to have all of you here tonight. We rejoice that you come our way. Uh, I enjoyed seeing the rain, didn't you? Uh, hadn't had any in a while. But anyhow, we are uh, honored to welcome those who are visiting with us tonight. We do have several. And uh, I hope you won't rush off too quickly, but give us a an opportunity to uh, meet you and express our appreciation to you for being here. Uh, do remember you have a couple of options for classes. You have the one 
that is here in the auditorium. You also have the one that's in the annex. Uh, the one in here is on Judges and Ruth, and uh, I think the one in the annex is on answering uh, denominational uh, questions. And so also, I think that, yeah, that's it for tonight. On Wednesday night, we have the ladies' class as well. But uh, we hope that you'll participate in those classes tonight. And uh, we are thankful for our teachers here, especially the teachers of our children. Uh, and uh, we're thankful that we can assemble here tonight to study God's Word. Just a couple of reminders, the Golden Circle. You'll be uh, meeting tomorrow morning at 8.30 by the NX, and we'll go to the pit stop for breakfast. Uh, also, if you uh, need to be further informed, I think there's some bulletins left uh, on the back tables in the foyer that'll have further information for you. Uh, before we are dismissed in prayer, uh, I want to remind anybody that needs to partake of the Lord's Supper. If you did not partake this morning, did not have the opportunity, please go be, and go to the little uh, chapel in the, the back foyer and you'll be served. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings of it. Lord, we thank you for the rain that we've received today. Lord, we thank you for the little ones that are gathered here today to learn more about your word. Lord, just allow them to be the light to our path each and every day. Lord, I ask that you watch over our church, watch over our community, our state, and our nation. Lord, I ask that you be with each and every one of us here and keep us safe from harm. Lord, forgive us where we fail thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. reminder that when I came here, I mentioned how that national championships just tend to go wherever we go. And so far, Mississippi State got theirs. Now Ole Miss has gotten theirs. Who else needs one? <laughs>
Just coincidence, I don't know what to say. I fear now that if we have a drought of some kind that I'm in a lot of trouble. But I'm hopeful that we can hang in there and keep bringing home those championships. And not to... Not that I have any credit for this at all, but I also happen to notice that a lot of our local teams, high schools and so forth, win championships. I'm just saying and not saying. It just happens. We have a lot of sick people that we want to pray for, so I'm going to go over the list very quickly. And then at the end, if you have someone you'd like to add to our list, we'll put them on there too and pray for them. Then we'll have a song together, number 314. And after that, we will begin our study in the book of Judges. We're in chapter 13 of Judges. If you want to open your Bible there. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton is undergoing a lot of, lot of pain, but hopeful that she is healing from her recent surgery to her foot. Austin Wentz, grandson of John and Wilda Gardner, He's had to have some treatments along the way, some pretty big ones, and just keep him in your prayers as he's going through the process, but we're, we're hopeful that he'll be free of cancer. I think Terry Green's finished his last chemo treatment, so we're hopeful that the result will be that the tumor has shrunk sufficiently that he can have surgery. Verlin Davis has Alzheimer's, and Stevens it has a lot of health problems, keeps her at home. Kim Fowler's still walking around in the boot, but she has until kind of mid-July until she gets that taken off. Don Dawson has some health issues, although Brenda was here this morning. It's good to see her, wasn't it? Johnny Howe has cancer. That's Ken Scott's aunt. Connie Mooney is recovering from hip replacement surgery. Sue James has cancer. That's a friend of Rick Warner's. Gary Thornton's undergoing cancer treatment, although he, he's finished that. I talked with Barbara over this. Um, uh, we had the, the salad thing, and she said that he's finished with his treatment, so I'm glad for that. Quitman's at Landmark. Geraldine Taylor's at Landmark. Stephen Hodgins' dad's recovering. Pat Ritchie has pancreatic cancer. Randy Stutz, he's recovering, but his knee's still swelling on him. Uh, Marley Warner, what's the update, Rick? <laughs> Okay, they can get that all synced up. Okay, well, that's great news. Michael Smith had to have additional surgery. He did lose uh, his uh, eye, but um, I guess they're doing some reconstructive type surgery. And Newton, you know, we, we thought, Brenda thought, the family there thought she had a stroke. She did not have a stroke. She did. Okay, that's great. She regained consciousness, and now she's gone home. Praise God. Yes? Margaret Ann's brother, Ronnie Sarton, uh, he's been in the hospital. He fell, had a, actually went in uh, for another problem, but fell while in the hospital and was recovering from, from all of that. Benjamin Yates is Teresa Cole's brother. He's gone home. Uh, Mike Bruce, Drew's dad, he had open-heart surgery and it uh, seems that he's doing okay, probably went home today. That was the expectation. Sterling Phillips is Jody's father. He's going to be having some open-heart surgery to repair. A... Okay, good. good. 
That's, that's really good news. Glad to hear that. Um, of course, we've been mentioning through the week on Facebook and so forth. Uh, some of you are related, I know, but I know Dale, this is his uncle, um, Wade Davis. He's not been found yet. They had to, I guess because of the weather, had to call off the search today, but that is confounding a lot of people. Just keep him in your prayers, if you don't mind. Chuck was telling us that his daughter Jennifer's been having uh, lots of different health issues. One deals with her eyes. That's a problem. She's also having some problems with her feet. She has wound care related to that. Would appreciate our prayers. Uh, Justin Moreland was involved in a very serious accident uh, involving, actually was working on a truck tire, and uh, the thing blew up. And I had some pretty serious head injuries from that. And there's a long recovery, a lot of broken bones in, in his face. Uh, Gail Lane, I uh, want to remember her. She's dealing with just a lot of family issues. Lost her husband, has got an elderly mother she's caring for. Another friend under her care. Brother has a new pacemaker. Just a lot of things. Uh, Dee Worley's cousin, James Hicks, passed away this past week. So please pray for the family there. And hey, I'm going to take our campers off here. They made it back. Good job, campers. But I guess there are other Bible campers. Look at me. I could have left it. Anyway, you like to add someone to this long list? Uh, yeah, I mentioned, uh, let's see here, right here, Mike. Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, Drew thought he was coming home today, most likely. Um, tried to call during about 11 or so, and wasn't an answer. So they, he said his mother doesn't talk on the phone when they drive. Yay. Anybody else? Uh, yes. Okay, they're coming and then they're staying? Okay. All right, great. We pray they'll have a safe trip. Okay, let's sing a song, then we'll have our prayer and uh, go to the scriptures. Number 314. 314. Good time. 
Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for this great rain that's fallen. And we pray that it will provide just exactly the nourishment that's needed, especially for crops that have been planted. And we just, we appreciate so much the relief from the heat. We thank you, Father, for our own health and strength and pray that would continue. But we know folks who are really struggling right now. And we're praying your blessings on them. Bless Irene Baker in her battle with cancer, and bless her family and their encouragement and support of her. Pray for Martha Eaton that she'll have relief from the pain she's been experiencing with her foot. And we also pray a full recovery for her. Bless Austin Wentz and his treatments. We're thankful that Terry is finished with his chemo treatments. We pray, Lord, that he's going to get the results he's hoping for and he can have the surgery he needs. Please bless Verlin Davis and her caregivers, bless Ann Stevens and her health problems, and Kim Fowler and her recovery with her foot. We pray for Don Dawson and his uh, various health issues. Bless Johnny Howe, who has cancer. Bless Connie Mooney and her recovery. Be with Sue James, who has cancer. And Gary Thornton, we're thankful that he's finished with his treatments. I'm sure he is. And we just, we pray that it's effective and promoting health for him. We pray for Quitman and Landmark and for his rehab. Bless Geraldine Taylor and comfort her and her family. Bless Steve Hodgins' dad, Kenneth, as he's recovering from his fracture. Bless Pat Ritchie, who has pancreatic cancer. Bless Randy Stutz in his recovery from the knee surgery. We pray for Marley Warner, and we're thankful that there's a diagnosis now. We pray that She'll be able to manage this very well. Please be with Michael Smith in his recovery. Be with Ann Newton. We're thankful that she's able to go home. We're thankful that the original diagnosis was wrong. And we just pray continued uh, health for her. We pray for Margaret Ann's brother and his injury. And we pray he'll have a full recovery. Bless Benjamin Yates, and uh, we just pray that he'll have good days and get a full recovery. Bless Mike Bruce, and um, we expect that he's gone home today, and we we praise you for that, and we're just hoping he'll have a full recovery and get back to normal. We're thankful for the news for Sterling Phillips that uh, he doesn't have to have such an invasive-type surgery, but we do pray that the things that are done will be a great success. He'll have a good response from the stent that he gets, and then in another week or so, the treatment for his heart valve. We pray for Dale's Uncle Wade and for the whole Davis family. As It's just hard to imagine not knowing about his whereabouts, but we pray comfort for them. We pray the search can continue and we'll reap, we'll reap some uh, benefits. We pray for Jennifer Bonham and her health issues. Bless Justin Moreland and his recovery. 
We pray for Gail Lane, who has a lot of stress on her with friends who are ill. We pray for Dee Worley's family and the death of her cousin. And we pray for Joanne's daughter and, and her husband as they're waking the, making their way down here. We pray that you'll give them a safe journey. And we look forward to uh, them being with us. Bless us, Lord, as we continue uh, going through the scriptures here and just finding some really great things to, to observe about times past and help us to learn uh, some important lessons in our dealings with one another and the commitment that we make to you. Help us, Lord, to be faithful always. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we started in chapter 13. We're going to be looking at Samson as a judge. We're getting back on kind of the original pattern, well, somewhat of an original pattern, and that is God calling the judge. But this is you know, one that takes it to a high level in that the angel of the Lord is involved. We already saw uh, the visit to the mother, and the father wasn't involved. We make a prayer to God, hey, you know, how about come back and uh, want my husband, you know, know all about this. So please come back and explain all this. So verse 12, Manoah said, now let, let your words come to pass. You know, let, let this thing happen. There's the explanation about the Nazarite vow that's given and, and the different restrictions that the mother is supposed to have upon her, not, not to spoil the child even before birth, which tells you what? Well, yes, but I mean, this baby is a baby. The expectation that it's going to be born, it, it's under vow even within the womb itself. And so the mother isn't to complicate that by breaking the Nazarite tradition. And I mentioned to you, you can, maybe some of you did, I hope you did, uh, you can read about it, the details of it in Numbers chapter 6, the first 21 verses. But in there, the emphasis is on the separateness. Uh, most folks who were under that vow did it for a, a specific period of time. This is a lifetime commitment that's being uh, entered into here. So, you know, dad wants to know, you know, kind of, you know what's, what's going to be involved here? What's he going to do? Um, what's this work going to be like? Just like a dad... You talked to the mom, you told her all this, I want to know some stuff. So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Are we serious about this? Very serious. So we have restated it. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and we'll prepare a young goat for you. Kind of like Abraham wanted to, want to feed these guests of ours, want to, you know, demonstrate uh, just how much we appreciate you and be hospitable. That's, that's the Eastern way. And so we want to feed you and so forth. This is interesting though, because before, like with Abraham, Abraham offers the food. What do his guests do? They eat it. They eat it. But what we're finding here is that there is the refusal of the food itself as it turns into an offering to the Lord. 
In fact, this is going to be a burnt offering, a whole burnt offering. And, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Something exciting happens. So, hey, let me, let me do this. Let me prepare it. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I mean, I know you want to be hospitable. I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. Now, there's the emphasis here. And I mentioned to you before, every time you see these capital letters, you have the representation in, <clears throat> in your English translation of what's called the Tetragrammaton. That is a English, the editors in English, trying to represent for us every time that the name of God shows up in the original text, Yahweh. Okay, so he is saying, okay, whatever you do, you make sure that this offering is directed to God, directed to God. Now, Manoah, at the time, he didn't know that he was the angel of the Lord. What's the significance of that? We're going to find out it is. What is is a special thing that the angel of the Lord almost always is depicted as receiving (coughs) from humans. (coughs) Pardon? (coughs) Okay, it's a direct message from God. I need need some water, somebody. I think there's actually some in the pulpit back there. My hidden stash. (coughs) Okay. But the one, that is true, messenger from God, but almost always, not every time, but almost always, the angel of the Lord, the angel, the messenger that comes from Yahweh, from, from the very throne of God, receives worship from people. Now, what's the question about, thank you, what's the question about worship that we're always interested in in the scriptures? Who receives worship? God does. Famously, John, when he receives information from the angel in the book of Revelation, what does the angel respond with? You don't worship me. You don't worship me. I'm just an angel. I'm not who? I'm not God. So that leads to an interesting conclusion that takes place, and that is that this representation that comes, this angel of the Lord is, must be in what class of beings? Must be deity, right? Okay, so oftentimes when we think of deity or God, we think of God the Father, but there are two other entities associated with that, right? Would be the Holy Spirit and the Son. We know Jesus, which is the incarnate, the flesh manifestation, the human manifestation of the Son of God, well, did he just come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem? Check it this way. No, if he's God, he's been in existence for how long? Okay, from the beginning. So is it possible? I believe that, that, uh, that this, is, this is true. <clears throat> that Jesus, fleshly manifestation, the angel of the Lord, the angelic manifestation of that same deity of the would become the Christ or the second person of the Godhead. When did Jesus come about? If he's God, he's what? Always been, yes? So how has Jesus been, 
how has the Christ or the second person, the Son, been packaged throughout our history? Well, not just as Jesus. Also, I believe right, right here, the angel of the Lord. Because watch what happens. Manoah says to the angel, what's your name? That when your work, words come to pass, we may honor you. What's your name? Does that ring any bells? Remember a guy by the name of Jacob? Somebody got Genesis chapter 32, verses 29 and 30? It's the first book in the Bible. And that's on toward the end of it. Yes, Genesis 32, 29 and 30. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Hadeel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And Hadeel means the face of God. He had been wrestling with the angel. Guess who? The angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? He says, in this interaction, I have, I have seen God. He wants to know, what's your name? Who are you? When asked the name, God doesn't come out and say, I am Yahweh. Actually, we probably shouldn't do it either. <laughs> we have it in the scriptures. We have it kind of changed into an English form that we can handle with all caps Lord, or sometimes it's all caps God. But you do know that, you probably know, that, for instance, when scribes would copy the Old Testament Scriptures, when they came to this Word, you know what they did? They stopped and cleansed themselves, cleansed all of the uh, tools of their trade, because they believed in the writing of that name, everything had to be what? Clean, holy, pure. I can only imagine the scribe who got the job of writing the book of Genesis, what he must have felt like. Because <laughs> that guy is stopping all the time to clean things up, clean himself, so that he can get through this text. So the very utterance of the name, the personal name of God, was a big deal. So here in this text, the angel Lord, he's, he's very specific. He's like, Look, don't just give me food. When you bring that food, it's going to be offered as a burnt offering. And you make absolutely certain that that offering is designated to the Lord. Offer it to the Lord. Then Manoah, verse 17, said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name that your, when your words come to pass, we may honor you? So we've got, we've got that uh, expression of it. What's your name? You know, what, what, what is the deal? Um, what about Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6? I want to say that because of verse 18. The angel of the Lord said to him, and he won't give him a name, but he says, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? When I see that, I always think about Isaiah 9 verse 6. Do you? Someone want to read that for us? Or you can quote it if you want to. Right to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the governor will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is that? Well, he's, we believe, right? 
most of us in those studies believe that's anticipation of Isaiah's prophecy concerning the coming of Jesus. See, my name is wonderful. I have a little pet peeve sometimes. People say things like, this is awesome. I think awesome is a word that fits kind of in a special category, like things that are truly wonder, a wonder, full of wonder. What is it that's really full of wonder is really awesome? It's not like the latest flavor of ice cream. It's God Almighty. God Almighty is truly full of awe. He is awesome. He is full of wonder. He is wonderful. You see then, he says, all of these things. Let me tell you my name. And I can't even, I can't even express it in its own original derivation. I'm just saying that the name is so wonderful, it's not even to be said. So Manoah took the young goat with a grain offering. So not only do we have the burnt offering, we have the grain offering that accompanies it. He offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing. Wait a minute, stop. Seeing that the name is wonderful. If your name's wonderful, what do you expect you're going to end up doing? Something wonderful, right? So some wonderful thing is happening while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Manoah said to his wife, just like what was read about Jacob, right? Jacob's like, I've wrestled with God. I'm going to name this place the face of God. I've seen God face to face because the expectation is if you're with God face to face, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. If you were on, if you were on Mount Sinai in the presence of the very essence of God and you look on God, what's going to happen to you? You are, you are a duster. So what is great about these accommodations? For instance, Jesus Deity, but he's actually clothed in human flesh. What did John say? We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's come in flesh so that we can do what? We can interact with him and not die. So what was this accommodation? God wants to specifically talk with these people. If he just shows up, what are people going to do? God just shows up? When God just shows up, what? You're going to die. So in accommodation, what was the Ark of the Covenant? What did the Ark of the Covenant possess within it? It had the mercy seat on which God descended upon. If you're the high priest and you go in there in an unholy way in the very presence of God Almighty, what happens to you? Understand that they tied a rope around the feet or one of the feet of the high priest when he went in there, lest he had some unholiness in him and God decided to kill him right there in the holiest of holies. Well, the problem there is nobody can rush in and get it because what will happen to them? 
in the very presence of Almighty God, you're going to drop dead. So what did God do? God made an accommodation in which people could interact with Him, but not drop dead. So here, just as with Jacob and now with Manoah, they come to the realization, whoa! We've been in the presence of God. What should happen to us? We should die, except that we were protected because He manifested Himself how? in some form that we could abide. Something, I guess, that shielded us from that possibility. Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we've seen God. Verse 23. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had, if the Lord had desired, desired to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering or grain offering from our hands. Nor would he have shown us all these things. Nor would he have told us such things as these at the time. Does God desire to be in our presence and kill us? No. God wants this interaction with us. And, I, you know, it's kind of... A, it, when you read that, you go, seriously, that's your answer? But is that a great answer? If God wanted to harm us, could God harm us? Absolutely He could. But God wants to interact with us. And in this case, God's coming into a time... And, and I'm sure Manoah and his wife are, are great people. But guess what? They live in a time of corruption, of evil. And so the Lord presents himself in this way. So the woman, she bore a son, just as had been promised, called his name Samson. Anybody know what the name Samson means? Uh, Samson can mean a couple of, couple of things. It could mean sun, as in S-U-N, that bright star the sun. Or it means brightness. Now, keep in mind, he's special. Why, why did they name him that? Okay, you, you're going to have a son. And what does brightness and sun remind you of? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, but just the uh, Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting, Sue. Just you know, the the illuminate when when you think of the brightness, the sun, the light has come. It's like the parallel idea is okay. You're in a time of darkness. What's he going to be? Man, he's going to be the shining light in the midst of all of this. It's going to be amazing. He is a son. He is a son of promise, is he not? God's promise in regard to that. So the woman bore a son, called his name Samson, son or, or brightness. The child grew. The Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanah, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaal. What does it mean that the Spirit of the Lord began to move in him? And the reason that I ask you that is because if you know the story of Samson, Samson, a great spiritual-minded giant of the time? Question mark, question mark. Uh, shake your head this way. No. Now, on a couple occasions, he does call on the name of the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But he is about as carnally-minded as they come. Yet it describes the Spirit of the Lord working in him. What was the Spirit of the Lord doing in Samson? 
What does the Spirit of the Lord do for Samson? Okay, in the event that you keep these promises, mother has to abstain from the product of the vine or anything even like that and stay away from, you know, the dead things and don't cut your hair as you're going along. If you will fulfill your obligation to that, I am going to do a great thing in Samson. Turns out that the great thing that God does in Samson is that he gives him what ability? Just an incredible strength that's going to be demonstrated time and time again. Now, in the movies, when you see a movie about Samson, what kind of actor do they typically choose? A good-looking one, Sue. Okay. Please check out the Samson movies. <laughs> okay, that, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. They go for these guys that, you know, are muscle-bound and, and big, look the part of a strong man. However, all through this, people are looking at Samson, and what are they thinking? What's the deal with this guy? Why is he so strong? When I read that, what that says to me is, People looked at Samson and it did not make sense. In other words, he's not a big muscle-bound guy. He probably looks like a regular guy walking around, except that he's got the long hair and, and the, the long facial hair, the beard, and he abstains from certain things. He's a little quirky, but most people look at him, they're like, you know, there, there goes Samson, except that... God has manifested this incredible ability within him, right? I mentioned it last time, I think. Well nigh to a biblical superhero, right? Just incredible strength. In fact, when people talk about strong men through history, Samson's one of those people that's always mentioned there. You look at him, maybe you don't, you don't put it together. People wondered where the strength come. When the scripture says that the spirit was beginning to move in Samson, it's not trying to intimate to us like, well, you know, he just, God was impacting his mind with great spiritual things or he's revealing stuff to Samson. What, he's, what this is trying to describe for us is the thing that God was doing for Samson was starting to be manifested in Samson's life. It had nothing to do with his personality or the good man that he was or was not. It had to do with the way God was going to use him. So all that was going to be about Samson early in his life started to develop. That kind of suggests to us that as he's young, he's already starting to manifest probably this degree of strength that would come full bore when he becomes an adult. Because you'll notice that by the time he becomes an adult, what does his parents, what do his parents typically do when he wants to do something? They do it. They go along with everything. Almost like they're afraid to say no. Why is it that they would have that mindset? Because, you know, they, they, they've been feeding this guy all along. He's been working with them. They see him tossing boulders around in the backyard or, you know, pulling up trees by their roots, and they're like, eh, you know, Samson, he's, whew, he's, he's becoming a handful out here. Boy, 
and help in the, in the mission, right? Help in the mission. Okay, that could be too. Chapter 14. Now Samson went down to Timnah, saw a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. Uh-oh, right? If you're an Israelite, who are you supposed to marry? Israelites. Why did God make that law? Why is that important? These nations around you are idolatrous. You will enter into marriage relationships with your own people. You won't mess with them because the time that you do, that's going to introduce you to their idolatrous practice and they're going to lead you away. So marrying intermarriage with the nations around them was strictly forbidden. But he goes to the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. If you're a mom and dad, what do you say? Absolutely, I will not. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? Right? So they're saying, they're saying no. Or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? They said, stop right there, son. Isn't there a woman of your own people that you can marry? One of the world. We're not going to do that. Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. Stop right there. Wait a minute. What... What is going on here? A thing is of the Lord. When you see a thing that is different from what you expect, that is of the Lord, what are you now looking to happen? God must be working on a long-term something, right? Up until this point, think about this. The Philistines have been oppressing the people of God for how long now? Remember? For 40 years, right? We likened it to the children of Israel being in the wilderness wandering. They have oppressed them for 40 years. Do they have a stronghold now? For 40 years? Several generations of people have already gotten used to the idea that the Philistines are our oppressors. We just do what they say. Samson is going to be the deliverer of the people. So how is God going to get Samson involved with these Philistines? Well, well, does God, does, Sue, I don't know about you sitting up here this close. (laughs) Sue is going crazy, you know. But yeah, it's, how about through the woman? Because what we're going to find out is Samson has some tendencies about him. God knows that. And God is going to use one of those tendencies on that occasion. He was seeking an occasion. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel for 40 years. So Samson, he went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Stop. What's the problem? A vineyard. What's wrong with a vineyard? Why can't we go through the vineyard? He is a Nazarite. You are going to abstain from... One of the things you're going to abstain from are vineyards or the vine, or the grape, or anything associated with it. Anything, he said, anything like it. So anything that kind of acts like that, you stay away from it. Samson goes down, what does he do? He gravitates toward the place he shouldn't go. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. When I read this, 
my mind goes back to the time when I went to a large cat preserve in South Africa and I saw a lion. It was on the other side. Like if this is the fence, I'm standing right here and there is the lion. And I am not kidding you. The lion's head was this big. And they've got those fangs in their mouth that are this long. If that lion wants to eat you, guess what? You, you are not going to grab onto it thinking, ah, I'm going to be like Samson. I'm just going to... Uh, no. In fact, as you were standing there, your mind says, I'm safe. There's this fence right here. But your instincts are saying, that thing wants to kill me. And you feel these funny feelings all over as this starts growling at you. And when one of those big cats roar, it is the most unsettling, unnerving, amazing experience. Except with the cheetah. I didn't know this. You know, cheetahs are, are big and tall, only they're very thin, nimble. They're fat, fastest animal on earth. Okay, so the cheetahs are also at these big cat preserves. So you've got the, you've got the lion out there. As you're, and then the blood-curdling sound is actually when the tigers roar. And it is just a screech, just a... It's just a penetrating sound. So we come over here to the cheetahs, and one of those cheetahs could run you down in your automobile. And it's on the other side of the fence, and I'm looking at it, and it goes, meow. I am not kidding you. Cheetahs meow like a house cat. I just laughed. That was the funniest thing. This is not funny. We have come upon a young lion Who's roaring? When do lions roar? I am hungry. I'm warning you. You better get away from me. I'm going to attack you. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Is this saying that the Spirit of the Lord kind of infused him with wisdom so he could know how to deal with the situation or, or spirit becomes a spiritual giant in the face of the lion? The answer is no. What did the Spirit of the Lord do to Samson? It gave him the strength to overcome this fierce beast. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. I always kind of laughed at that statement too because I thought, how easy would that be to tear a young goat apart? Have you ever laid hold of a goat? I don't know. They must have been a lot stronger in those days. But I just read that and I'm like... Okay, that's <laughs> kind of humiliating, right? But the idea is he tore through that thing like it was nothing. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. What's another thing that you're not supposed to do if you're a Nazarite? Not supposed to be with the wine and the, 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 the grape. You're not supposed to be around dead stuff, Right? He went down, talked with the woman. She pleased Samson well. What's that mean? Yeah. Don't answer, Sue. <laughs> so after some, after some time, when he had returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Okay, it's dead. It's already begun to... Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's, it, 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 at least its entrails are exposed. 
the, the cavity of the animal. Uh, the picture is this thing is decaying, right? It, it's been dead a while. He's not supposed to be in association with that. But there was a swarm of bees and honey uh, in, the, in the carcass of the lion. Uh, where did the bees get what was necessary to make the honey? Where is he now? I mean, you remember where he was. He's in a vineyard, right? I'm just getting the idea. Samson is really messing stuff up right now. So he took some of it in his hands. He went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them. They also ate, but he did not tell them that he'd taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, I'm with him there, aren't you? I wouldn't tell anybody I did that either. Okay, 6 o'clock, we're going to have to stop right here. Uh, We're going to do our very best to really speed through this because there are some tremendous stories about Samson. But I I just want you to keep in mind, Samson is reckless. Samson does what Samson wants to do in the moment. He doesn't care how that affects this vow that was forced upon him. He doesn't care what anybody thinks, not even his mother or father. So it's going to be very interesting to see a kind of change of heart that's going to develop in Samson despite the selfishness that's already been exhibited. Let's have a quick prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your blessings that have manifested themselves in our time together in fellowship from the rain that has fallen and your blessings on us in our, in our association with one another and the blessing of Jesus that we're reminded of in the first day of the week. We pray, Father, that you'll bless us as we go through these scriptures, help them to make an impression upon us, and help us, Lord, through it, trust you more, and be more faithful, not to make the mistakes of those who've gone before us. Please keep us safe in our travel home. In Jesus' name, amen.